2: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura and I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Gadesky. Alyssa, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics in Beijing, China are in full swing and I want to like catch you a little off guard here and I want, would you be up for a little bit of Olympic trivia, a Winter Olympic trivia to <laughs> um, to start this show? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. What is, the, you know, I love time zones. So do you know what the time <laughs> difference is between the Eastern US, this is your time zone, and, okay. and China, Beijing, China?
3: Okay, so hours? I know I know that last night at 7.30, Mike Tarico said that they, he was kicking off seven hours of coverage because it was Monday morning there. So that would mean... But they probably didn't make them start events at like seven. They probably winter sports. I feel like start later in the day, like nine thirty maybe. So I'm gonna go with fourteen hours time difference. Oh, it's close. I think it's thirteen hours to Eastern
2: oh, US. That was close. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very. That was okay. good. Like problem solving there. Like I mean, I feel like most. That was good job. I was impressed. <laughs> um, do you know how many time zones there are in China?
3: Oh, China is pretty big.
2: Four. One there's one what? time zone,
3: <laughs> China Standard Time. I did not it's know that Beijing
2: Time. Yeah, oh, I think okay. You, know, you can imagine what it's like to live in like Western okay. China. Um, yeah, I, yeah. But your daylight is very different. Um, Do you? We'll continue the China theme. Do you? Do you know what was the first gold medal won by China in these games? What event?
3: Oh, um, I don't know. No. I feel like the curling started really early, but I'm still watching curling. So it's not like curling finals have happened. So I'm not sure what's had. I don't know. Uh, Mini, the small ski jumping, small (laughs) ski, small jumping, small (laughs) ski jumping. (laughs) Um
2: I think I believe I probably I need to double check this but I believe it was the mixed gender short track speed skating relay. Did you catch that? Oh,
3: I did. Wa- I wasn't watching it intently, but I was watching it and I I didn't pay attention to how it ended up. But yes. Oh shoot. Okay. Was, I should have guessed that. It was one of the most insane things I've ever watched. I was like, you know,
2: like where they are they like push each other and they're like doing I can't, you know, it's like They're like warming up inside and getting up to speed. And I was like, it's it's crazy.
3: Yeah. But somehow they know what's happening. (laughs) I know. (laughs) There
2: was a crash and like I that was one of the most interesting events I've ever watched. So anyway, congrats to China on that gold medal. Um, okay, here's one. Countries usually enter the Olympic Stadium in alphabetical order according to the host nation's language. China's primary language, Mandarin, doesn't have an alphabet. So nations entered based on what?
3: The English alphabet.
2: Eh, wrong. <laughs> Stroke <laughs> order. The number of strokes in the first character of the nation's name. Whoa. Remember? Oh, that's cool. I know. That was, that was like, I didn't know that. That was a new piece of trivia. I guess I wasn't paying attention in 2008 if they also did that. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Three nations have taken part in all winter and summer editions of the Olympic Games. Can you name one of them? Germany nope sorry they are france switzerland and great britain oh yeah it's, it's still i mean you kind of were in the right geographic really i knew it was a european yeah <laughs> that was a good guess um okay how many winter olympics have allowed songs with lyrics during figure skating
3: not that many okay so that definitely was not a thing when i was young and watching the figure skating so maybe when i was like 20 that changed so then that would be the last four so how was the what what year how many oh how How many? many winter olympics so i'm gonna go with four two this is the the only two this is only the second it's okay i believe i can believe that yeah i mean it definitely is still very weird to me to hear lyrics when i'm watching figure skating so i I believe that do you
2: like it that's not part of the trivia i'm just Uh. curious (laughs) i think so yeah i think i like it it makes it more entertaining i guess in a way. uh, There've been a few that I was like, they like hit my heartstrings of like, you know, college (laughs) songs. And I I think it, the, I was reading and it is a lot of it is to, um, you know, attract a younger audience and I'm going to, maybe I'm part of that younger audience, even though my (laughs) inner age is 42, but that's still young. Um, thank you, Inside (laughs) Jagger. I am Jen. Wait, what would that be? Would that be Gen X? Is 42 still millennial? I I think so. I'm both. Um, okay. Going back to the trivia. Do you know what country just won their first ever Winter Olympics gold
3: medal? Clearly, I don't know, but I'm gonna guess gold medal. Um Spain, New
2: Zealand, New Zealand oh. the women's slope-style snowboard that Zoe sadowski Sinat, that was New Zealand's
3: first ever winter Olympics gold. Cool. I was watching the Kiwi downhill slalomer last night and she gave me a heart attack. She was a little aggressive in those. She came like right after Makila Schifrin had the, she didn't make it down the run. And so then the Kiwi woman was just like going out, And I was like, God, don't you guys see the people in front of you? Like maybe go a little tiny bit slower. And she didn't, but, um, Good job. They're going mm-hmm. for the gold. Congrats. They like put everything yeah. on the line. I mean, yeah.
2: winter, <laughs> winter sports, I will say, it's just like, they're terrifying because there's like like high speed, steep mountains. It's,
3: I mean, and, it's like, the... sharp things everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, and not, no one's wearing pads. Like, I mean, I guess you're wearing, some are wearing helmets. Some <gasps> are wearing helmets. Not everyone. Yeah. But like,
2: it's crazy. Yes. Okay. Crazy. I have one last question for you. Do you know the smallest country by size, I think by land size to win an Olympic gold medal?
3: Summer and winter Olympic gold oh, medal? Oh, you got that. You, that was, <laughs> that was be a trick. Yeah, summer and winter. The
2: Philippines? <gasps> Alyssa, it's Bermuda. And this was, a trick. Oh, yes. <laughs> this was a trick question because this is just a teaser for next week because next week we're gonna chat with Flora Duffy. Who won that Bermuda's first ever Olympic gold medal? And we well, won the smallest or the gold medal for the smallest country by size. Um, her Olympic medal is the Travel. same size as the other
3: medals, but <laughs> yeah. the country, the, the medal you win is still the same size.
2: I mean, I yes, I I'm struggling with the English language <laughs> every day, but. Um, yeah think you get the picture but yeah that was just that was our teaser i i am very much in the olympic spirit if you can't tell so um we're excited about this week's episode but also tune in next week for more the olympic olympic fun continues summer and winter varieties
3: that was fun thanks haley for that little mental exercise for me (laughs) um we don't have your home renovations going on this week which is also exciting which means we get to chat a little bit more and open up our mailbag so i do want to apologize to our mailbag writer sarah um that we've had this for a couple weeks and meant we were gonna yeah we've just had this i feel like a week too long but we want to get you that answer um and chat a little bit about this one. So, Sarah, congratulations! You are pregnant with your first child. So we're very excited for you. This is awesome. And you have a couple questions about insights about programming during programming of training during pregnancy, based on Haley and my experience um, not carrying children, but coaching athletes who have been carrying children. So, great question. I think this is like hot topic right now, right? Because more women are realizing that they don't need to just stay still and not exercise during the pregnancy. So, this is definitely though, you don't want to carry on necessarily as normal either, right? So, Haley, do you, how do you approach it with your athletes?
2: Okay. Well, I, I've coached a few athletes probably during their first trimester, like early on in their pregnancy. And and then so I thought about that and then I also actually talked to a couple – Medical doctors who are also moms for kind of and athletes for their take on this. And the big, the big things I think the takeaways I've found is that every pregnancy is different. And that's even for a woman who's had multiple pregnancies. You know, if it's, if it's, I think the first pregnancy, second, third can all be different. And so I think a lot of it is listening to your body and consulting with your physician while you know while this is going on and doing what feels good because it seems like there's there are some typical trends where maybe the first trimester your breathing is a little bit different the second trimester you might feel better third trimester is just like certain things feel better than others but i've i've talked to some women who swimming felt great because there's no impact i know some women who've had really really bad nausea and so swimming actually felt terrible and so I think for during pregnancy, it, it really depends, which sounds like a, um, you know, not the answer anyone wants to hear, but maybe that's also kind of a good answer that like, if something doesn't feel normal, there is no normal.
3: Yeah, I agree with all of that a hundred percent. I think I love it when I love like secrets and I love like exciting secrets. So I love it that often I'm one of the first people to know. when one of my athletes finds out that they're pregnant because, um, you know, just to keep me in the loop and all that. Like, I think it's so, so fun and exciting. And I like also that then that conversation kind of hopefully will kick off like just a lot of communication. Because I think if you are working with a coach, it's very important to make sure you're keeping them in the loop about how you are feeling and those kinds of things. Because shifting the mindset is one of the first things I think that happens from like training for performance to training to be healthy and active, stay mentally sane for yourself, right? And get you and the baby to birth healthily, right? So, um, and I think that requires just like constant communication of what that means for the, the person carrying the child. Like I have some people who still want to see how often they can run a really hard mile as they grow the human inside of them. Right. I have others who just prefer to have me list a few key workouts through the week. And if they feel good enough on a day to hit one, they will, if not, it's like not a big deal. No, not as much stress along with that. Um, I often will try to give like, you know, definitely more effort-based workouts than expecting any sort of paces or anything like that, um, I think is a, a good shift too to do. And then we just do a lot more, str- well, not necessarily a lot more, but we focus more on strength for sure. I think focusing on some like some more core work and strength can help for like postpartum time as well. So that can definitely start while the woman is carrying the baby. But I, I do agree that it just depends on like how people are feeling day to day and making sure communication is open and you're flexible if you're doing your own programming and things like that. Um, you know, just keeping yourself, I think, mentally in a good spot and feeling good is like the number one priority. So um, hopefully that that helps a little bit. Like Haley said, it might help to know that there is no kind of normal training regime to go to. It's just, you know, what is going to work for you? And Sarah, your second question is wardrobe about wardrobe suggestions for bike and swim through pregnancy. Um, You are wondering if people tend to size up in regular workout clothes, if there are brands that make good maternity swimsuits and bike shorts or bibs. Uh, A lot of the athleisure maternity bike shorts don't even have a chamois, so they're not really like great for riding, whether you're carrying a tiny human or not in there. So Haley, we kind of sourced to a few people and thought about what we'd seen our friends do. And I... I think a lot of times like I've definitely seen my training partners just go to like two pieces sometimes to train in, um, as swimsuits. I think they found that to be comfortable. And then I think, uh, like I know Sarah true when I saw her at the pool a couple of times, she said she was just like sizing up in the, um, orca swimsuits that she was wearing and stuff like that. So just kind of going, because I, I do think there is Sarah to your point, like, the maternity lines. I don't think there's like a true performance brand doing that I have seen a really great like maternity line. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I have either, but I, it does seem
2: like, I mean, a lot of the materials fairly stretchy. So hopefully if you can, if, you know, a, a bigger size accommodates for not just like a, a week, <laughs>
3: um, yeah. you know, and I, I don't, are, I don't know. That, gotta be like good, right. So like, The bibs, particularly for cycling, will definitely stretch. So if you do go up a size in that, like you you should get a good bit of stretch out of a pair of bibs, I think.
2: Yeah. And I'm yeah, and I think it is also a same similar thing. Like, do what works for you, not necessarily what is being marketed to you. And so I think if it's like, okay, I feel good just wearing, you know, my normal one piece swimsuit, then I think that's fine. If you feel more comfortable in a maternity swimsuit, wear that. But I think it's just it's, it's very individual and probably how, you know, how much weight is gained and where weight distributes is all so different for each, each person. And so I think that it's sort of, uh, enjoy your experiment of one, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but yeah, I don't know of any like specific athlete, you know, athleisure brand that specifically like targets like triathlon. And that would, I would go for the chamois, like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not terrible. did
3: do, a maternity run short, but okay. it was like a one-time run on that. And so I checked. They, they don't have them being sold right now. But, you know, I, I do think for running, you might have a little bit more luck yeah. um, finding something with like kind of that belly band stretchier situation. But, um, but yeah, I think to Haley's point, do what works for you and like own it, right? <laughs> because <laughs> you have to be comfortable. I can't imagine being uncomfortable on top of all of that, trying to exercise and bake that human inside of you.
2: It reminds me of the Olympic trials, the marathon trials in like 2020 when I think there were like four women that were racing it and who were like visibly pregnant and, you know, and wearing what they felt good in. And I think that that was really, really cool. And so I I think it is, it's, it's cool to see it. And I don't, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you, your pregnancy goes well and you can, you know, figure out what works best and maybe you'll can write an Instagram post and document that (laughs) and help out other people who are in a similar position. But but thank you for writing in. And and if anyone else has questions, our mailbag is ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com.
3: And Haley, some of our very astute listeners probably picked up on our new sponsor announcement that we had last week. And we are very excited to chat a little bit about who's coming on board with us. Yeah,
2: we are really excited. It's called That's It. They're snack bars and snacks, basically. I've had the fruit bars. That's what I've eaten so far. I think I had the um, strawberry flavor. And I it, I picked it up at like a Starbucks. I'm a big fan of like Starbucks when I'm traveling for races just because there's like consistency in what I know I'm about to get. And I can get some like good snacks and coffee and um you know, they really only have fruit in them. And so it's like sweet, which I like, but you know, it sat well with me as far as like my drive or if I had a workout that I was trying to get in mid travel. And now all of our listeners can, can try them themselves for any kind of their training. I think it is something that would be really, you know, the bars are something that would be really easy to throw into your pocket while you're on a ride or, you know, have next to you on the trainer and gives you, you know, they're, they're easy to eat. And, um,
3: that's always a challenge during, during training. Yeah. So Haley, I have not yet tried it, but mine, we got a big snowstorm here last Friday and it has delayed like everything I've been waiting on. Um, but my parents were some of those astute listeners last week and heard and ordered some and they got theirs and, so I asked them for some uh, some tidbits and like what their reactions were. And my dad said that he looks forward to taking these on the bike trail. So he goes biking on the bike trail <laughs> in Annapolis. And he thinks that they will be great snacks for that, Haley, to your point, because they like stay intact. They're not going to like crumble in his pocket and kind of fall apart on him for kind of an active snack like that. Um, my mom wants to take them to the beach. She said she they're going down to Myrtle beach right now. And so she's like, this is a great beach snack. It's very refreshing is what she said. So it didn't leave her like feeling like she, it like satisfied the sweet tooth because it's like that fruity sweetness, but it didn't leave, you know, she didn't just have to have like a candy bar or a handful of jelly beans to get that, which she said she really liked. So um I look forward to trying them and our listeners, you guys can all, Try them as well. Head to that'sitfruit.com forward slash ironwomen and use code ironwomen for 20% off.
2: I love that your Um, parents like were on that.
3: They were like discount
2: code, website, that'sitfruit.com forward slash ironwomen. I got to check this out. I mean, it was. It was like within hours you were like, oh, I know the code works because my parents just used it. I know. I guess
3: I inherited like it's no – it's no – Shock where I inherited my love of snacks from. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing to have when you're an endurance
2: athlete. But um, thank you to everyone who who supports the podcast. And thank you to That's It for supporting us this month. And hopefully, if our listeners, you know, you can, if you try them out, let us know your favorite flavors, how you, um you know, if you use it during a workout, during a ride, during a run, drink a swim, have it on the side of the pool deck. Let us know. Ironwomanpodcast.gmail.com at gmail.com. And you can like um, tell us your experience with
3: That's It. And Haley you already gave our listeners the the spoiler that next week we are talking to Olympic gold medalist Flora Duffy but this week is a a little bit different so what you will all hear next is the first episode the launch episode of the Women's Performance Fight podcast that Feisty Media is um has as their newest podcast and Haley I have to say I feel like we've really made it as a podcast when our podcast gets to be used as like a, a launching point to help other podcasts get out into the podcasting world, right? Because like sometimes I hear that on the ones I listen to, I'm like, yeah, yes. now we've made it because like we're we're a, we're helping, we're a launching board.
2: We're a network. We're a podcast network. But yes, the um the first Feisty Women's Performance podcast launched last week. And so you're gonna get to listen to it here if you stay tuned. And it was it will always be hosted by Sarah Gross, who um has been on the show. She was a host on the show. She was um I we've had her as a guest several times. She is a feisty boss, as we call her. And this new podcast they'll have a new episode every Monday. And so this episode was the launch one. It involved a panel, including Stacy Sims, Jameel Gale Iggins, and Celine Yeager, who are all three women who've been on Iron Woman in the past. So you can hear from them and, and they do. Sarah does a really good job introducing them in the start of the show. So definitely stay tuned, listen, and then hopefully you like it and you will head to your podcast app and subscribe to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. So you get your new episode of that every Monday and then come back for iron women every Thursday, but we'll have that show for you right afterward from our sponsors.
3: The iron women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water triathlon and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021.
1: Welcome to the first episode and live recording of the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast, where our goal is to bring trusted information to women so we can feel and perform our best. I am Sarah Gross, your host for this evening. I'm super stoked about this new podcast as well as our Women's Performance Summit that we're launching tonight. Stay with me because I'm hoping everyone's going to learn something tonight so you can feel and perform your best. I myself, I was a pro triathlete for 14 years. I'm a two-time Ironman champion. I have a PhD in women's history, um, which means that I sort of dug into feminist methodologies around how we put women back onto the pages of history. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Feisty Media, where our goal is to create an empowering culture for active women. I think That phraseology with empowering culture is really intentional on our part in terms of our goal. We often talk about empowering women to do things, which is amazing and fantastic. And I want everyone to feel empowered, but without a culture that is actually empowering and supports the things that we're doing, we only get halfway there. So one of our goals is to help change that culture for everyone. So tonight we are launching this new podcast, but also I'm just basically giving away the ending now. Our tickets are going on sale for the Women's Performance Summit. So this year, we're hosting our second annual Women's Performance Summit. It's March 25th to 27th, and it's virtual. Uh, so every anyone can come super easy. You don't have to fly across the country. And you can win two tickets to that tonight here if you participate with us in the chat. Um, so my team, oh, I can see them commenting. Basically, the more you comment, the more chances you have to win. So could everyone, first of all, who's here tonight, uh, could everyone tell us uh, who you are and the ways in which you are active in the world? That's what I wanna know. So whether you walk or go to CrossFit or whether you know you are the Ironman world champion, um, I, we wanna know. Let's see, what else is gonna happen? Okay, if you don't happen to be the lucky person who wins two tickets to the summit, uh, we, are, we do have a uh, early bird code. Um, that is going to be available to you for four days to save $50 on the annual pass for the summit. So everyone who's here tonight is going to have access to that. So one last thing before I bring my guests on, I know I did this last time. Was anybody at the Women's Performance Summit last year? Anyone who was there? I don't know if you remember, but I'm going to call myself out on this because we actually announced that we were launching a new podcast then, (laughs) which is this podcast. So 10 months later here we are uh we had the idea then and we finally got our ducks in a row and are uh launching the podcast so if at that time if you subscribe to the feisty life podcast last year that's the same podcast but now it's called feisty women's performance so go to your podcast app type in search feisty women's performance and look for this this picture i can't do a photo shoot for shit so um You just have to get me laughing and take a picture. So that's why we have this picture. Um, And subscribe to the podcast because this episode will come to you on Wednesday if you want to share it with your friends. And then every episode after that will obviously come straight to you on your podcast app. Okay. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to introduce our tonight's panel now. First up, we have retired Army officer, former USAT committee member, triathlon coach, and our feisty community innovator, and actually general bringer of hilarity, I would say. No pressure, Jamila. Jamila Gale eggins Welcome, Jamila. Hey, so thanks. Now I feel like I have to bring it. Like <laughs> <laughs> You definitely do. I was like, oh, how's she going to feel about bringer of hilarity? <laughs> I do my best. Yeah, you do. You do well. Um, okay. Our second panelist is a pioneering researcher, innovator, and entrepreneur in the women's performance space. She's the co-author of Roar and Next Level, which is a not-so-secret book that's coming out this year. Uh, she sells her online courses at drstacysims.com, and she speaks frequently to audiences around the world, although mostly virtual <laughs> in the last couple years, Dr. Stacey Sims, Hello. Hey, Stacey. How welcome. are you? Welcome. Thanks. Um, okay. And our third panelist, the host of the Hit Play, Not Pause podcast, co author of Roar and Next Level with Dr. Stacey Sims, one of the leaders, the main leader <laughs> of the Feisty Menopause membership and online group, a longtime endurance athlete and writer in the health and performance space, Celine Yeager. Celine, welcome. Hi. Oh, everyone's saying hi. So can we all give a little bit of love in the chat to uh, to our panelists? So last year, as mentioned, and some of you, it sounds like you were there, I can see in the chat, uh, Feisty Media saw a need to host a Women's Performance Summit. And this was because we had observed that there's a lot of, Yes, information, right, Celine? Um, <laughs> I, I always hear Celine's voice in my head when I say that line. I think you like you coined the phrase, you coined the use of bullshit in our monster <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to, start to you. Um, out there for women coming fo- to in the fitness and health industries, and that gets even worse as we get older. Uh, we saw the need to bring together trusted sources to get good information into the hands of active women. So, Stacey, let's start with you here. You were a pioneer in the realm of exercise science, and uh, I think you were <clears throat> one of the people, or if not the first person, to kind of put up your hand and say, "Wait a second, <laughs> if we don't hold study on, women- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we don't study women, how do we know if the research results apply to us?" and I'm sure things have changed a little bit, but by how much, that's kind of my question. What do you see as the biggest change in, the, in sports science um, and what new directions are you seeing that will help women?
4: I'd like to be more optimistic, but um, it's still very slow in the process. We're seeing better methodology, but there's still a lot of pushback Um, And there's large voices within the research community that's like, wait, there's no evidence. And the reason why they're saying there's no evidence is because there's not enough studies done. So when we start going through all the stuff and disseminating down to what actually is happening, there are a few key studies that are starting to come out that's really showing that there are differences. We need to pay attention to them. But then it always ends up with we need more research. So then one of the problems there are the research dollars. A lot of them aren't, like we look at the stats and we know that papers where women are PIs are not as publishable or as often published as men, so you still have that discrepancy. And part of the funding is how well are you published. So there's still a lot of work to go in the science department, but on the flip side of it, the conversation is being pushed out there, so more and more people are asking for it. And more that we ask for, it, the more the research dollars become available, and the more authors get slammed if they don't follow proper methodological procedures, which is great. And I am one of those reviewers. Is like, what do you mean you can't study women and throw them all with the men and disseminate it out? So mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. interesting. So you're seeing like the public, kind of the public outcry for information that I see all over, of course, my Instagram feed and elsewhere. That's creating change in the in the science world.
4: Yeah. It's it's a, from either side. It's like you're having people who are really interested. I get email requests to be a student all the time. People wanting to be PhDs and study female athlete stuff. And then they're getting out into um, like the starting part of their academic career. And then we have other people who are at my level who have been doing this for a while who then are able to publish more because they have people working with them more. And so mm. it's kind of a snowball effect, which is great.
1: Mm-hmm. Amazing. And Celine, what about you? Like what changes have you seen kind of in the fitness industry and also in the media? Yeah, it's
5: it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, I'm a I'm a rose colored glasses kind of girl. So I, I try to see the good stuff first. Uh, you know, there are there are definitely improvements and you are seeing a wider representation of body sizes, body shapes. You're seeing sort of the I wanted to say the demise of the whole beach body thing but that's not true because it's still now it's called wellness <laughs> you know so but they still sort of like slide that in there and you know there's still so much uh low carb no carb it's it's still so much of the emphasis in my opinion is still too much on what you see in the mirror you know and not and no. and they just still they just call that wellness as far as like women being represented in, you know, in women's specific training and nutrition, there's definitely a hunger for that, which is great to see. You know, I, I have been invited to talk about menopause on many traditional male spaces, which has been really encouraging, frankly. I mean, I'm really happy to see that. I think, um, I think one of the problems that I see emerging is that, you know, back in the day, to disseminate your information, you would have to sort of be published in a magazine or get a book or, you know, some get interviewed by somebody. But with the rise of TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, you know, it's great because it's an equalizer in some ways, but it's also problematic because if you're good at those places, you can push out any bullshit you want and -hmm. you can get millions of people to follow you. Right. So that's a little bit of a double edged sword that I'm definitely seeing come into play, especially as uh, we have sort of raised this conversation. There's a lot of people coming in and it's creating noise, you know, it's creating a lot of noise. And so I do think that, you know, what you're doing here is, is pretty important because it's only going to get louder.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I see and I you probably see the same thing. And I'd love to know if it's affecting the industry is there's a lot of outcry for a greater variety of women represented, you know, like different ages or different body types, too, in terms of who we consider an athlete. Do you yeah. see that affecting some of the ways that decisions about what story gets published, um, are happening or what images get published?
5: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And not, and, and in a largely positive way, you know, I mean, in my own career, and I've spoken very, very publicly about this, it, there, the, it used to be very limited in what you considered healthy or an athlete, you know, mm-hmm. as far as the images, especially in a place like bicycling, you know, where I've spent so much of my career and, you know, I remember one of the very early features that I wrote was on sort of like get there, stay there, your ideal racing weight, you know, racing weight was so popular. And, you know, we did all these formulations and I kept <laughs> wanting to be like, can we just make people strong? And, you know, this whole thing. And, you know, now the cover of bicycling literally this month is like, it's all like get strong. You know, there I, there is no one weight that's that's magical. So there's been some improvements there. <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And audience, have you all seen improvements? I'd love to know. Note in there while I ask Jamila the same question, because I'm thinking, Jamila, like as a retired Army officer, right? Maybe this is, thinking maybe this is my bias coming through, but maybe you've seen a little bit of BS in your time. (laughs) I Um, I mean,
0: just a small (laughs) bit. Um. And, you know, one of the bigger challenges is the military is a culture inside of a culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, if you think about just outside of the military, um, just intensify that. So everything we did was based off of males um, to the point where, I mean, our top leadership for the majority of the time I was in was all male because they said women weren't strong enough to serve in combat specific jobs. Well, the combat specific jobs are the people who got the top leadership. So, and by that, you know, you weren't going to lead past a certain point. Um, And so uh, I've seen a lot of change. A lot of change, um, mostly with uh, the the opening up of the combat arms MOS and women proving that. I mean, they they could carry their load like their share. Uh, mm-hmm. Since two thousand nineteen, I think we have seventy five females who have graduated Ranger School. Uh, so that's a lot, and it and they're just proving that you know that earlier ideal that we can't do it is not necessarily true. Um, so yeah, I've, I've seen it.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. Like, have they seen CrossFitters? (laughs) <laughs> For example. Uh, you know, like so, when I think about so, female crossfitters, like going out and doing an army training, it feels like Yeah. You know,
0: well, like so the did. problem is just the percentage of representation. Like there's yeah. not a lot of females in the military. Most of them don't stay because it's not accommodating to different, you know, aspects of life. When you have if you have two service members that are married, it is more likely that the woman will get out of the service and assume the caretaker role than the male. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you have those influences on military service and the higher up you get, just the fewer there are. Um, So they're there. Like I know lots of badass, you know, women, and I also know badass women who made a choice not to stay in that type of culture and environment. So.
1: Mm, Interesting. Yeah, folks are saying at home you know, that I've seen that too, like that strong is the new skinny. Now I'm just reading between the lines of the comments, but there seems to be a general trend to that kind of more positive messaging. Um, still lots of fake acceptance and for show equality. Um, that's true. Julie, I now lift heavy shit at age 53 and feel stronger than ever. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Like I was a pro triathlete for 14 years and I feel stronger having taken up lifting as part of CrossFit, right? Like it's um, the things we never knew, right? <laughs> which I probably should have done all along, but there was no research to show that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Okay, so we're calling this new podcast the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. Um, And the word performance, you know, I've heard this already from folks as we've kind of been building up to this launch this week. Like it's often associated with elite athletes, but we're defining performance as something that every woman deserves to have. So Jamila, I want to ask you this first. What does it mean for you to focus on performance in your life?
0: Oh man, Um, so many things, but I guess the question is this, you know, all that I have, is this where I want to be in this space? And so I think a lot of us just accept, I can't lift, I can't do this because you don't do it. And so kind of challenging the question and, and answering the question, like, do you want to lift more? Do you want to get better at this? And then spending the time doing it, Um, you know, it, it's, it's intimidating, right? To go into the gym for the first time and not know how to use the equipment and the fear of like everyone's kind of you feel like everyone's looking at you, but if anybody lifts, you know, no one's looking at you. They're all in the mirror critiquing themselves. Um But so for me it's and it's in all areas, right? Is this it? You know, like this this whole thing that we're doing now started with a question. Like, You don't have to accept the status quo. You don't have to accept that, you know, the space that you're currently in is where you have to stay. And if there's another direction you want to go, regardless if there's representation there or not, like start asking those questions, start taking those steps um, and and improving that area. And so I was very scared of the gym um, three years ago. And then I went on to actually love the gym. I love the gym. Um, almost as much as I love the other three sports. Uh, (laughs) But it it started with a question like, why don't you lift? Why don't you do Mm -hmm. more in the gym? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too that you brought up first, like when you started talking about strength training, the first thing you're talking about is your comfort level in the gym. And I think that's an experience that a lot of women have to different extents or in different ways, like how comfortable we feel in the space. It's like the first barrier before we even get to the science, you know, or how we lift or how we're including lifting into our programs. So that's why we like to talk about things in a multidisciplinary way, which we will talk about a bit further. Down. Yeah. Well, and just one more thing, like we're marketed that we
0: don't go to the gym, right? Whenever mm-hmm. there is someone working out in the gym and is not a female. And so you have the dumbbells at home on your Peloton. Um, and that is your, your strong box. And then the rest of this is marketed to the males. And so it's hard to see yourself in a place when every time you turn on the TV, like the the workout for you is in your home. Like you have to stay home and you can only work out within these, you know, confines or these constraints.
1: hmm. Interesting. Um, Celine, the hit play not pause community, you know, we found this massive group of women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, some even older and myself included too. And we're simply not willing to kind of like, <laughs> lay down and die, if you will. <laughs> what does it mean to continue to focus on performance as we age? And and what does that mean for you too? Well,
5: I think it's the recognition that that performance is for life, right? You know, I mean, I remember there was a point at which I was like, am I going to do this forever? And then I was like, well, why can't I do this forever? I, you know, I think that we've, we've always thought of uh, athletes as having a finite career because you can't, you know, you can't stand on top of the top box of the world forever. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that, that has a shelf life, you know, but, but most of us are, we're recreational lifestyle athletes, mm-hmm. which means that we actually, we can pursue this as, as long as we want to. And, you know, I see that in, in the, the audience that they're still super engaged. They still want to pursue things. And when you look at it for the long game, you know, a lot of times you want to shake things up and you want to try do different things and, and, and performance for life is all about that. You know, it's about looking at like, do I want to keep doing the same races over and over? Maybe not. Maybe I want to try CrossFit or maybe I want to take up, you know, yoga or try these other things. And it's just having the curiosity and the engagement and the belief that you can. And, and it comes back to representation, too. You know, that's that when we started Hit Play, Not Pause, I think the biggest thing that we did was like help all these women see each other.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Stacy. I'm going to come to you, but I want the audience to let us know um, what does it mean to focus on performance for you all? A lot of people are answering already. I see people that do hits training, the recreational lifestyle athlete. I think we all deserve to feel good, but I, I I've been thinking lately too about how you like sometimes if I stop doing something, I recognize as I age that if I stop doing something it's gonna be harder to come back right and then trying to frame like okay, what with that in mind, what do I want the future to look like? So I actually want to be able to do, like lots of fun things right in the future so how many like how much variety of stuff do I have to continue to do whether that's in the CrossFit gym or elsewhere to keep me in that place where I can keep doing all of the things Stacy, I know you're like a super active person personally when when I went to New Zealand she almost killed us on the,
4: the oh. Stacey Sims
1: training <laughs> program
4: <laughs> what are your thoughts like for yourself personally about keeping active as you get older I do it because it's my own space, right? And I've been doing something since I was 13. And now I just want to be able to do adventures. Like Jarrah, my daughter's gotten into surf lifesaving. And it's a sport that's not really there in the States. I didn't, even, I don't grow up with it, but they grew up with it here. Every Sunday morning, you go to nippers at the beach. You're learning how to go in and out. You're on the board. You're learning to surf. And people are like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, um... Okay. But it's a challenge. It's an adventure. So now everything I do is like, how can I beat her? <laughs> right. So I mm-hmm. had to be strong. I had to be able to balance. I'm learning to jump up on the surfboard, catch a wave, that kind of stuff, but totally not in my wheelhouse.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so being active is, is not so much as how am I going to be able to race my bike? Cause those times have sailed. Like I don't have the drive to be competitive bike racing. I have the drive to get up the hill as fast as I can and see if I got a Strava segment, but that's about the extent of competitiveness. But now it's, how can I be strong to do all these other new adventures that come? Because I want an adventure every day Mm -hmm. and that's how I view it.
1: Mm, Amazing, yeah. Someone's saying continue to race tries and road races injury free. I like that, Christine. Challenging myself and continuously learning. Okay, so on this podcast and at our Women's Performance Summit, uh, we're going to talk about performance in four pillars. So that's physiology, nutrition, mental health, and culture. And I truly believe that like we need to take that multidisciplinary approach to performance. So Stacy, at our Menafah Summit last year, you gave an amazing talk about, it started with like an overview of the historical and cultural factors that affect the approach then, that is taken in in your world of research on how we sort of how we see research about women. So can you tell us like how history, how you see history and culture affecting your work as a researcher?
4: Yeah, and it's not just the research angle it's it it stems from everything it's like uh i was having a conversation on an earlier podcast i was on today about how the patriarchy has kind of shaped how we are supposed to perceive ourselves with regards to performance like you're talking about earlier like being in the gym how uncomfortable you are in the gym and it's because when we're represented with that idea of going to the gym what do we think of we think about mr olympia right and so women aren't aren't really welcomed in that space. And it's been that way for so long until recently. And so people were making those steps in, but it's still kind of a taboo for women to be in the weight room, taking the weights and not sharing like the guys do, right? Mm. So we look at how everything is, the vision and the scope has always been viewed. It stems from way back when men thought that they should be educated and women shouldn't. And men should mm. be medical. And so the women who had been the healers and the providers were now being burned at the stake as witches because it was uncertainty and it threatened the men. And our whole culture has been involved that way. So everything that we talk about doing from coaching protocols, the coaching space, even the racing space, right? The transitions are set up particularly for men. There are no menstrual products anywhere, right? And a lot of women have their period when they're racing. And there's no setup for that. There's no setup for um, women who might not want to get changed in front of everyone in the transition tent because of cultural aspects, because it hasn't been anything there for, like it hasn't been the conversation in the male environment. So we take that forward into even my space, the research space. Yeah, so maybe we do have scientific design and methods that take into account the menstrual cycle, maybe that's set up, but then the tests themselves are still based on male protocols, like the Wingate test, which is typical for looking at anaerobic performance in in people, but it's just done on men and the protocol is done on men. If we think about um, some of the uh, VO2 max tests, the scaling and the increments still based on men. So none of the actual protocols Mm. have changed yet. So we really need to think about, okay, how is this applicable to the energy systems that women use? And people are like, but what do you mean? I was like, well, women fuel differently than men during exercise. We have less um, creatine than men. So our ability to do the short power stuff is different from men. So we have to look at those particular test protocols in order to get adequate data. And so when we're looking at how patriarchy scopes everything until we can break out of that complete male lens and really disseminate it down, not only to scientific design, but the actual protocols that we're putting in, this is where I'm like, we still have a long way to go. Because when you say something like, well, coaching hasn't caught up in 20 years, but now people are starting to do menstrual cycle coaching, but they still put it in the too hard basket and they might just say, oh, track on Garmin, but that's not really doing anything. It's not telling you anything specific about your female athlete. It's just saying, yeah, she Mm -hmm. has a period. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of education that still needs to happen to be able to break that historical and cultural infusion that has happened in so many of the ways that we operate. Yeah, what you're talking about is actually crazy if you
1: think about it. <laughs> like that the like the actual protocols of the way that we test VO2 backs as in like the maximum <laughs> like someone's maximum aerobic ability, a human, are like not designed for women. So like we actually don't have proper evidence on yeah. any. It's like it's it's like it's encouraging in a way because of, because it's like oh look at how far we have to go. Like if you feel like your training's not working. Create, or if you feel like there's something amiss or that you like I do a little bit feel like I look forward to a next generation that's going to have better information than I did during my pro career you know yeah and and it encourages me that like we can even help um, bridge that gap between performance between men and women too like right now this kind of this st- this standard acceptance that men are going to be a certain percentage better than women at Certain different percentages with different types of things, whether you're doing strength or aerobic or whatever. But, like, I think we can start to really bridge that in bigger steps once we start understanding, like, how to test and improve female physiology. So it's like
4: it's like <laughs> to me, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um, and I'm like, I'm at this age and I'm talking about this and I need younger generation to come and push it. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause still like people are like, well, what do you mean? I just did the Bronco test, which is standard in rugby to test how powerful you are. And I was like, but if you look at the Bronco test, that doesn't work for women. Well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. We always use it. And I was like, But, and so it's this, those conversations still where people are so tagged into, this is how we've always done it, but we're Mm -hmm. trying to accommodate women. Mm -hmm. And so it's trying to get people to understand it's not just menstrual cycle. (laughs) It's not just not having a menstrual cycle. It's like actual genetic, like what's going on, how having an ovary or having ovaries affects everything. And we need to rethink about how we are testing women.
1: Right. And like the, the, I feel like for a lot of people, cause it feels like a lot to me, right? Like the idea of starting over, that's like burn it all Jeez. down, <laughs> start over with the new yeah. protocols for You're new know. tests that are going to actually work for women. Like it, it does feel like a lot. So I see where I see why there might be a reaction for folks to just go, Oh no, oh, yeah. no, no. How we do yeah. it is fine. Like it's yeah. always worked. I'd like, I can't be bothered kind of thing. Yeah. Um,
4: Where if yeah. someone were to go, here is a couple of million dollars for research funding. What study mm-hmm. are you going to redo? I'd be like, I'm going to redo them all. <laughs> Just start with yeah. like the simple aerobic tests that we do. Yeah. So even the ones we do in the lab, like vitilatory threshold, that's not accounting for menstrual cycle or not having a menstrual cycle knowing that that changes across hormone perturbations. Mm-hmm. So there's all these things that I'd like to just redo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So anybody huh. out there has millions of dollars who wants to right. fund female-specific research?
1: We're here for it. We have an excellent researcher mm-hmm. ready to ready to lead the charge.
4: To um, lead <laughs> back to our original
1: question, like why do you think it's important to look at performance through a variety of lenses?
5: Oh boy! I mean, we we talk about that every week on the podcast, mm-hmm. honestly, it, because um because performance is so much more than can i run a seven minute mile you know i mean it's like it's how do you feel it's it's how you're relating to your body it's how you're relating to um what performance does for you on a mental level on a physical level i mean and it's like everything that you've said it's just it's Performance performance is such a broad broad topic, and and when you when you view it narrowly, that's when you start dropping out, and that's what we see in our audience, right? Like you know, as soon as you hit a point where things aren't working the same way, or maybe you don't see people of your demographic, then you're just like, okay, that's this is not for me anymore. I'm not a performance person, and that's you have to like broaden that scope to be able to. Um, to see yourself and to, and, and to enjoy yourself, frankly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chamila? Why do you think it's important that we look through a variety of lenses?
0: Well, you know, just to piggyback off of what Celine said, you, in the triathlon space as a African-American woman, like there, there wasn't a lot of representation. And so for me, it gave me permission not to try my best in certain areas. Like, oh, like, my swim, you know, I was an adult onset swimmer. And so, um, lack of lots of swim, uh, representation led me to believe that I would always be a mediocre swimmer. Um, and it, and it's not even just, you know, the cultural aspect of it; it is when you start. Right. And so I, Hey, I I'm a late adult swimmer, which means I'll never get good at swimming. Um, and that was the bias that I had and it's not true. And so I just think that, you know, there are certain areas where culturally it's like, oh yeah, you should be great at basketball. You should be great at these sports <laughs> where you fit in a small space. I was told I should be a sprinter and I was like, but I don't like sprinting. I like long distance running. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then that kind of caps you know, what you're willing to go out and try and what you're willing to go out and and give your best to. And I think that, you know, you deserve an opportunity to give your best at whatever, whatever drives like whatever is your passion. And it shouldn't be skewed by, you know, not having representation in that space and not. Not being able to see someone perform well from your culture, your background, your upbringing, like all of those different um, areas. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I culturally, I think is the, the biggest part. you know, um, We talk about how different cultures, you know, women's roles in different cultures, and how it's not even permissible in some places for you to be out side of the home exercising and so we just have to we have to look at all of that and the first space is let's just look at women and then we can look at these different areas of it but it won't start and we won't get there in those different areas until we first acknowledge that hey women are not being served by what's currently out here in the world Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and i think we all recognize that like it's we often repeat like women are not a monolithic group Right. Like it's when we're talking about like we are kind of identifying like women as a category. But for the number of ways of being a woman in the world, there's like 50 percent of the world billion. You know, (laughs)
4: like it's
1: there are so many different ways So like actually part of the process, I think, is listening to individual experiences, especially like when we're thinking about like what Stacey just said about how like we don't even know we sometimes don't even know what the wrong ways are that we're doing the science, right? Like you have to ask the question first. And the questions that you ask come out of that lived experience, like that someone, like we built it in a way that doesn't serve us, right? We certainly built it in a way that serves more women from certain demographics than others, right? So if we listen to the women who who really don't feel ser- well served in the current structure of sport as, and fitness as it exists in our culture, then we're going to like start to be able to create new things. I I had a um a feminism uh professor when I was in university and I always remember she was like if you're ever wondering like thinking about making change on something like just ask who does this serve? And that's something like if you're say you're looking at a list of rules for a game, you know, or if you're you're looking at like I don't know, the I live in a group of nine homes, like the strata council rules. <laughs> like anything like that or even the structure like even the way your car is made right like who does this serve and then you end up like with the, you end up with the answers like I know that the gas pedal in my car is not in a position to serve women with small feet I can't can tell you that right now you know um, and I'm pretty average sized person so that's something that I like always use just as a lens and i think like we need to use it too as we're building like as we're building even a podcast like this um to go okay to be really careful too that we're building in a way that serves as many people as we can so from different demographics sorry i went off on a little tangent there um thank you jamila um thanks everyone for saying what you're interested in i think it's like the overlap between all of these pillars, like the intersections are are like the most interesting for me. Okay. We're promising our audience advice on how to get the best from their bodies. So I'd like each of you to give the best advice you possibly can. Um, as we launch this new podcast to our audience, who wants to go first?
5: I think, yeah, sure. Why not? I, you know, I think, being forward-thinking and open-minded is would be my two, my two biggest pieces because it's very, very easy to get entrenched in, you know, if you had like a good season and that worked for you and like that is the way I'm going to do it. But, you know, we're on the cusp of a lot of discovery here and a lot of greatness here and just being like open to being like, oh, maybe that is another way or maybe that will work even better. Like who knows, right? But you have to be you know, get out of the rear view mirror and race forward and look, look at what's ahead of you and just be open-minded to trying all this all this new and exciting stuff that's coming down the line.
1: Mm-hmm. Stacey?
4: Uh, I'll just add to that. like um, I've worked with lots of engineers over the years in the wearable space and they always go, well, why can't I do it this way? I'm like, the body's not an algorithm. Like it melds and it changes and adapts to stress. So on the back of what Celine is saying, like with innovation, don't be afraid to try because what worked for you last winter might not work this winter because your body's adapted too well to that stress. So if you're looking at what's coming out and taking care of your body and listening to it and then implementing change, who knows what your performance potential could be? Because we don't, we don't know what women's performance potential is because there's so many new things to come out and direct us or, Maybe something that came out three years ago now doesn't work for women. So it's just really paying attention and and understanding that science is ever, ever evolving and that we aren't linear. We never have been.
1: Mm, I love that. Okay, can folks, if anyone has questions for our amazing panelists, write them in the chat box now. There's a bit of delay on here. So I want to have them when we're done hearing Jamila's great advice. Uh,
0: So I saw a quote and it said, be brave enough to suck at something new. And I think that, you know, that says tons like be comfortable enough in your skin and your ability to be okay with being bad at something at first, because some of these changes may not be comfortable and it may take you time to adapt to them. Um, And you you need to give yourself that space and that time. Uh, we're doing the group coaching with Feisty Triathlon, and we're like, hey, don't start moving stuff around the first month until you get a baseline. Oh, like within you're the trying- week. Like- yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: first day, just move your entire <laughs> training plan. Um, but be okay with, hey, this may suck. Right. I may not be good at the slow, long runs, but I know I need to do them. And when you give yourself that permission to be bad at it, then you can actually see the results of following the plan as it's laid out instead of trying to force the fast days, trying to force the heavy days. Like sometimes you just need to go slow. It's OK. Mm. And, and I, I, that's that's what I have.
1: Thanks, Jamila. Um, I'm hearing a strong theme of like listen to your body, (laughs) because sometimes even the experts don't know, right? Yep. Um, Yeah. Okay. Kristen has a question. Where does the most of the funding, uh, research funding, come from, and how can we influence that?
4: Uh, So there are lots of different avenues. Like there's industry research, um, there are government grants. NIH um, putting a hand up now. There's new calls for looking at menopause and perimenopause, but not in the active women's space. So really, if we're looking at small pots of money, industry, like pushing industry to fund more projects, um, and then that can feed forward into the NIH going, oh, okay, well now there's all this stuff coming out in the active population, instead of just looking at the pathophysiological aspects of menopause, let's look at what the active woman goes through. So we start small and push our way into government funding. That's the best way to get funding dollars. Hmm. I've even, I'm even thinking, you know, there's a lot of, but there's a movement now for like more VC funding
1: to go to women's medical mm-hmm. products or things that are coming out of that research. So I think we're going to continue to see that, like we, we've recognized that there's a gap and when there's a gap in under, like research funding products, like whatever that is, where there's also an opportunity, right. And yeah. there's also like, it, it can, you know, innovation then can, you know, What am I trying to say? Snowball on itself. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that.
4: The one caveat I want to put out there, because a lot of people don't understand industry funding. Mm -hmm. When a company funds your research, that does not mean that you're beholden to them and the results. Mm. People go, well, how is this not biased? It was funded by the Dairy Board. It's like, well, the Dairy Board gives you money, but they aren't telling you how to do the science and they don't have an embargo on your results. And if something comes out that they don't like, it's too bad. So like mm-hmm. as a primary investigator, I can go back and be like, I'm publishing this anyway. So a lot of people misconstrue what industry research means with regards to the results. Mm-hmm. A proper researcher who is wanting to do sound research doesn't let where the dollars come from influence what they're doing.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Okay. What are some techniques you use to give yourself permission to rest we're always so used to pushing. Who wants that one?
5: I, I just did that today. No. Um, yeah, No, I mean, I think the biggest technique I use is to it, view it as a training day, like rest rest days are training days, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, what do I need to optimize my performance? And I mean, today I made sure I got like really good nu- nutrition and good hydration. And I did some yin yoga and like really mo- went through a mobility session. I'm like, I am now I'm stoked. I did did a really good training day. It's just viewing it through that lens because it is training. It's it's just it's the most important piece of training you probably do.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like shifting the narrative on that, Jimmy left. Did you?
0: Absolutely. I'll create a plan, just like what Celine was saying. Like, don't leave that day blank and leave your mind to wonder what to do. Go into your rest day with a plan. Look at your schedule after the rest day. Okay, this is what I have coming up. Let me stretch, let me do these different things to prepare for those hard sessions. So just use it as a day, get your equipment ready, get yourself ready, you know, make sure you have everything that you need to go forward and do those other hard training blocks.
1: Great.
4: Yes, yeah. I might be the odd one where I really, really enjoy high intensity hard work, and I know that if I don't rest, then I can't do it well. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to do this so that I can go kill that interval tomorrow. So my rest day yesterday was zorbing and mountain biking with my family. Have you? Got, do you guys know what zorbing is? No. Oh my god, it's hilarious! It's this big, huge plastic ball. And they're using the Old World's mountain bike course that's in Rotorua. And so you get into the inner part of the ball, and it's filled with water, and you roll down the hill. But the the inner ball moves. It stays stationary while the outer ball moves. So you don't go upside down. No, but you're sliding around everywhere, and it's like a movable slip and slide. And so they had one that went straight down. They had one that went around corners, and then they had one that did (laughs) drop-offs. So you're like, vroom and it's it's kind of terrifying and really fun at the same time <laughs> so
1: you control it in there like are you, you can
4: control inside? the speed no you don't have any you can push really hard and run in it or stand up and push it forward to go faster or you try to break by sitting backwards but there's really no control inside you're just going oh. all over the place with water
1: okay i have wow. a new bowl for 2022 right now
4: we <laughs> gotta try that yeah, yeah
1: that's what we're doing yeah. do they have it in boulder <laughs> they might
4: They might. you have to look it up
1: yeah <laughs> um lauren's asking will there be a menopause summit in 2022 yes yes.
4: Yeah. yes
5: we we have tentative dates but they might change so i can't say them yet <laughs> but we'll announce <laughs> that soon we'll announce that soon
1: the fall it will be the, in fall. the fall
5: yes it will in be the in the fall again
1: mm-hmm. um any last questions ask them now oh how to make strength training fun Running and cycling is my social and events world. Weights don't fit
4: into that. Make friends in the gym. Super <laughs> fun. Just the way you make, uh, friends. Way you make yeah. friends riding and running, you can have lifting groups too. Like I started one with a friend down the street who wasn't comfortable going to the gym. And she's just getting back into weights, but we meet every week. And then it's a couple of other people that have come. So there's like five of us that are all doing the same thing, but different weights. And it's become like our little social group. So Mm -hmm. it's fun because then you can push each other a little bit, too, just like you do running and cycling.
0: Yeah. For me, it's the music. Like I put on my noise canceling headphones and I get in a zone and I just like I will spend hours making a playlist to make sure (laughs) and and it's the only time I'm not in the car I'm not in the house no one's talking to me like everyone's in their own space and I can really just kind of focus in on my music and myself and Mm -hmm. you know that's my piece Mm -hmm.
1: yeah good one those are a couple great um I do I use that one for um running to Jamila the special playlist or if I feel like if my mind's just too active to calm down and lift by myself if I need if I want to I just um I'll put on a podcast or something so that I like learning something doing something else lifting so just like reframing um how I'm using that time you know Um, thanks for the question Lynn Um, how did feisty begin (laughs) is that maybe I should answer that question how did feisty begin Oh, man, I think, you know what, like, how would I answer this quickly? Um, I think, like, Feisty began with, like, bringing, it was, like, bringing people together, right? So, first, we started doing, like, live coverage of the pros in Kona. Um, and we we were like, oh, we're going to create some media for women in triathlon. Let's start there, because that's where, like, that's where I was situated, right? Um, and then when people came to me, like, when Ashley, when we had Stacy speak at our Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit, and we were like, you know, Stacy's message needs to get out into the world. Stacy's like, yeah, it does. It's you know, we like start to go down that road. Like, it's it's when we made the goal of trying to shift the culture and try to shift that like um, cultural paradigm and make it more empowering. Like, there's six thousand ways you can, you know, you can get to that end. And so, if when people have kind of joined us, um, like Celine, Jamila, like both in this category too, it's like, okay, what are your ideas about how we do things? And like, I mean, we talked about this before, Salina, about whose idea the podcast really was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still swear it was yours, but like, you know, what do you, you want to talk about and how do we, how do you want to make a change? So then like we have the Penopause brand. Um, so I think it's just evolving in that way, like really is like just a lot of like listening and collaboration and figuring out which next steps to take. Do you all train according to your cycles? That's a good question.
4: Yeah. yeah, Totally. Yep. Mm
5: -hmm. I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm like in the middle ground somewhere where I, you know, I kind of like listen to my body. Like I'm not so focused on performance right now that I'm actually trying to achieve a um, fitness goal of any kind. So instead I just kind of take the information that I know and just use it like on a day-to-day basis. Like right now, like I kind of, I don't really get a period cause I have an IUD, but like, I know that I have, like I had my period right now. I know when I, I know when it is. And then if I'm having an off day, on a day that correlates with an off day in my cycle, I kind of know it, I acknowledge it. I use that knowledge to feel okay, but whatever happens in my session, good or bad, or to know when I'm supposed to go strong, but I don't necessarily like track and have tons of evidence or whatever. I just find it empowering to know that information, you know, what about yeah. you, Jamila? I'm learning because I mm-hmm. had a
0: hysterectomy in 2016, but I still have my ovaries. So like for five years, I was like, I don't care. Um, and then I took... Dr. Stacy Sales course. And I was like, well, now I'm trying to figure out because I still have like those moments where I'm like, oh, I know what's going on here. Like this is when I would have had my cycle. Um, so I've been spending the last couple of weeks like just trying to figure, like, get back in that space where I'm aware that my hormones are still cycling, no matter mm-hmm. if the you know, whole package is still there. So <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: great. Yeah. Perfect. And I still train with my physiology based off of the hormonal changes that I've experienced. Okay. It's just mm.
1: different. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Melanie, thanks for your question, Melanie. I have trouble knowing for sure how to listen to my body. How do I know when I really need to rest or if I'm just being lazy?
5: you're not being lazy (laughs) that
1: was my reaction too no
4: there's no No, laziness you're
5: not being lazy i'm sure 100 percent. you're not being lazy how do your stairs feel like i mean i I just honestly use like how do i feel when i'm going up the stairs you can usually tell when you actually need some real rest you know versus like you just have a couple kinks to work out at least i can like if you really tune in you can pick up those signals, but like, don't ever let yourself be like, I'm just being lazy because I don't think in this group that exists.
4: No,
1: no. I agree. I, I think at times when we feel lazy, like it's either nutrition, right? Yeah. Like we just, we maybe haven't eaten enough or well-fueled, or we're actually a little bit overtired and do totally. need to rest. Um yeah. Or, or it
0: could be mental, you know, and you need that rest too. So like mm. if you're feeling tired then there is something in your body that needs rest uh so like rest it because it doesn't have to be the physical aspect you could just you know have so much in your head that it's just draining you
5: mm-hmm. totally that's I'm, more fatiguing
1: yeah that's a great point and i'm seeing this question come up again from lynn like how can i trust my body versus my mind i feel like we're we've almost internalized i don't i have as well like this notion that we can't trust our own minds right and I don't think that's true like I'm, I'm with you Celine when you're like no you're not lazy like that was my first reaction to that question too and I feel like I learned that the hard way too if you beat yourself up you're worse off right like you're not lazy you probably just it's something else just figure out what it is <laughs> yeah know? totally 100% totally, totally
4: yeah
1: Okay. Amazing. Well, how about we all give some love for our panel and tell them how awesome they are. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. Thank you all. Okay. So as you know, we are all, the tickets also went on sale for the Women's Performance Summit and our coupon code that is for you all for the next four days is earlybird50 and you save $50 on the annual pass, which is actually about a third off. So make sure you take advantage of that subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, because I'm going to be here every week doing this. And I, am hoping we'll be able to do more live podcasts as well. Okay. So I just want to thank each of you for being here. Thanks Jamila, Stacey, Celine for the amazing discussion and for being part of Feisty General. I appreciate all of you. And thank you to Lindsay Catherine, Ella, and Carrie, who are floating backstage, mm-hmm. keeping us <laughs> keeping us on track, and who helped us get organized and on the screen today. Thank you to the, our audience and everyone who's here. Thank you so much for being here, for being part of this conversation. Um, please feel free to email at any time if you want to hear about something, if you have a guest you want to suggest for the podcast, if there's something specific you want to hear. I want to hear from everyone on this, and I'm stoked to keep it. Re- Recording. Oh, again, thank you all. Um, looking forward to more on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. And we'll see you all in this, at the summit, March
3: 25th to 27th. If you're a longtime Iron Women listener, you know there are a few things Haley and I love more than snacks. That's why we're extra excited to share with you
2: this month's new sponsor, That's It, a snack company that makes delicious, convenient, plant-based snacks that are all natural, non-GMO and preservative free. That's
3: It offers a broad range of convenient, on-the-go snacks with all items containing six ingredients or less. They make fruit snacks that are actually made from 100% real fruit. And for the iron parents out there, these snacks are school safe, completely free from the top 12 allergens. Head over to that'sitfruit.com forward slash
2: ironwomen and use the code ironwomen to receive 20% off your first order. The website address is that'sitfruit.com forward slash ironwomen and the code is
3: ironwomen. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary
2: care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your
3: results within a few days. My favorite part they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Haley, I think some of my favorite takeaway, well, my my most favorite takeaway, I think, from listening to that episode was just the concept that performance doesn't have to be only for elite athletes. Like performance can be for all athletes and It doesn't mean you're, you know, going for Olympic gold. It just means you want to be your best, which I really appreciate kind of that notion and I think is an important one for all of us to hold in our hearts. But I do have a question for you. So they kind of went around the table and asked if people train according to their cycles. And it's not something that I do. Do you do that? I do not.
2: (laughs) Um, And here's the reason why. I think think I'm probably – most align with Sarah's answer to that just because I'll I'll pay attention and like make notes of it. But a lot of my races, you know, they're, they're on a set date and it doesn't matter where I am in my cycle. I'm going to have, I'm going to race on that day. And so I'll pay attention, but I also use it to like, note, wow, I had a great race on any day or a great workout on any day of the month. And like, I can, it might feel different, but I know, and I might like, Maybe I need to eat more or I need to cool myself off a little bit different um, or just note that it's going to feel harder, but I can still – I'm still capable of having a good session. And so I note that. But I mean, I – so I don't specifically try to hit things on certain days because I also think that probably on certain days, like, you know, it might be a great day for a hard workout, but it might be also a great day for a recovery day. I might, like, absorb the work I've done a little bit better. So I um I don't, but – I I can see the benefit of like paying attention and I'll say that I've won races on like all different days of my cycle, like two days before my period. I think the first day of my period, several days after, you know, the very middle, like I think I've had really, really good days. And so I take that, you know, to mean that, you know, it's possible, but how about you? I mean, you said you didn't, but, um, do you have any athletes who do,
3: you know, not really? I think. Like you, I most related to Sarah's answer where the knowledge is is key, right? It's nice to know that that could be a contributing factor to what's going on, how you're feeling on a day. But exactly like you said, like we don't get to pick the days that we race. You know, my athletes especially are planning those races a year in advance, right? So like we're definitely not going to pick. Maybe if someone was doing um, like a at-home do-it-yourself Ironman and we got to have the lay of the land and we know that this person always feels best on X day of the month, you know, sure, why not adjust it to for that kind of a thing? But even then, you know, the training, uh, like I think we're still learning. So I I do make sure to be always kind of reading the studies. Like Stacey pushes out a lot of studies a lot of times that like um, give more information about how women's bodies do during the phases of the month. But I just think for myself, it's like, I've always felt like I have so many bigger fish to fry. <laughs> to like make myself a little bit of a better athlete. And like, maybe at some point I would get to the point where that's the next step, right? To really keep fine tuning things, but I'm not there yet. Um, And so for me, the stress of trying to do that is not, not worth it as much as I like to just keep it in mind. And like you said, kind of just note that I can have good days and bad days on all sorts of days of the month, right? And just feeling comfortable, it's like I can perform no matter what, um, is going on in in my ovaries is like a confidence boost to myself, you know? Um, and so, but I do think the information is interesting and I think it's, it's something that needs to be studied and we need to be definitely learning more about.
2: Yes. Well, a great conversation. I'm so glad Sarah put together that panel with Stacey, Jamila, and Celine, and I'll be tuning in for future episodes of the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast uh, in the in the coming weeks and um, hopefully learning from more of her great guests. So it's great to have that added to the repertoire. I don't know if that's even the right word. That feels like a very big word to use.
3: <laughs> no, I think that, that works. I, I think it works. So... <laughs> And just a reminder to our listeners, we do have the new sponsor. That's it. Uh, fruit bars, snacks, all sorts of fun things. Uh, you can get 20% off your first order. That's it. Fruit.com forward slash ironwomen. Use code IronWomen and let us know what you think. Alyssa, have a great week. Uh, enjoy
2: watching more of the Olympics. And I will talk to you next week.
3: Thanks, Haley. Bye. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski.
2: Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives.
3: Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.